This is the Morning Rush. Coming up on today's show, could the hobbled Nets find a way to beat the Bucks in a pivotal Game 5? Could the Lightning rebound to tie up their Stanley Cup semifinal with the Islanders? Could the Pirates and Orioles finally put an end to their respective losing streaks? One Major League pitcher blames Major League Baseball itself for his recent injury. And Aaron Rodgers is just, well, he's just being Aaron Rodgers. What can I tell you? All that and more coming up in the next two hours of the show. Good morning to you. How the heck are you? So glad to have you on board. So glad you could take some time to tune in and hang out as we kick off yet another essential work day. I gotta, I gotta put a stop date to that. I gotta make a hard stop date where I just stop saying essential work today. Because I think we're, are we, are we, are we past that? Are we done with that? I know we're not completely back to normal in this country in for several reasons. Not just the pandemic. But things are opening up all over the place. I haven't worn a mask in public and I can't tell you how long. I actually stopped wearing one in the building. We're getting full capacity all over the place in sports. Again, we're not out of the woods yet, but we're, we're, I feel like we're close. So are these work days even essential anymore? Can I just can I just, just make the decision to stop doing that now? And we'll just kick off a Wednesday hump day morning. How about that? All right. There, there you go. Executive decision live on the show. From this point forward, during my show open, no more essential work days. Just going to kick off the show and kick off the day, kick off the morning. That's it. Done with that crap as we continue to move forward. How about that? There you go. Several ways to get involved on the show, as always. Two Twitter pages, at WCMD Morning Rush, and my page, at Rush Tony C. Facebook page, at uh, WCMD Cumberland Radio. All three of those pages, free and open to the public. Like them, follow them, get involved. I know some people don't like to call in shows. They, they get nervous. So just get on those pages there. If you feel emotional, if you feel moved to comment on anything we talk about or anything you want to talk about, just drop me a line on those pages. I mean, it's, it's right there. Go on Twitter. Go on Facebook. I know some of you are probably much more internet and tech savvy than, you know, most. So get involved. Rush line is open if you do want to call and discuss. 301-759-2628. Your chance to dial and dance. Last time we had a phone call. When? It's been a while. The line still works, I think. It's been a while. So let's let's get the phones going. We're going to talk NBA playoffs. We're going to talk Stanley Cup playoffs. 
We're going to talk the continued misery with the Orioles and Pirates. The uh, sticky situation, pun intended, uh, Major League Baseball, 301-759-2628. And, of course, our podcast page on the free Podbean app where we upload every show every day, take out all the commercials. So if you miss any part of the show, uh, it's right there for you. Go back and check it out at your uh, convenience. So there you go. I got. I got to admit. I feel uh, this is weird. This is bizarre. This is not what I'm used to. I feel. I'm not literally, but I feel uh, naked. If I, I mean, if I was literally, that would be a problem. Again, for several reasons. If you listen to, if you listen to the show yesterday. Uh, you know I had some major issues with my, what once, my trusty laptop. The hub of the show here, where I have everything. Every morning I come in here, and, I, and, and literally the first thing I do is set up my laptop. Right in front of me, right here on the desk, and I get to work. I get my show notes together, I get my audio clips together. I peruse the webs for headlines and stories and information. About 20 minutes into yesterday's show, said laptop just went belly up. We were going right into the first break of the show, and the screen just went black. Just gone. And I had it, and as I also had the weather forecast there as well. And if you listen to the show enough, you know that the first break of every hour, we, we do weather. I do weather. And that was gone. So I'm scrambling just to find. And then like throughout the rest of the show, as I'm doing this show, I'm trying to bring my laptop back to life. Because I was pretty much flying blind the rest of the show. And when the show was over, I spent how long trying to get the laptop back to resuscitate it? And I couldn't do it. I kept on getting the blue screen of death. And so I had to suck it up and I had to take it to Lavelle to smart choice, which is the only choice for me for computer repair. That's a free plug. You're welcome. And I've said this before. I have a brand new laptop. I got one for Christmas, which has been sitting in the box since Christmas. And I had intended to, at some point, take both laptops up there to have all the information, everything that I have, transferred from the old one to the new one. And then bid adieu to the old one. It ran its course. It was a good laptop. But lo and behold, I didn't. So now I have to hope and pray that the fine people at Smart Choice can resurrect my old laptop just enough to move everything to my new laptop. Point being, I don't have a laptop today. I have nothing in front of me. I have, like, like I've gone back to 1974, pieces of paper, actual physical pieces of paper that I have to read stuff off. I haven't done this, and I can't tell you how long that I've actually had to print stuff off and read off the paper. It's just a weird feeling. I got to tell you, though, 
if they can't get that stuff off that laptop, I'm, I'm going to lose my mind. If you have a laptop, if you use a laptop a lot, or even a computer, any kind of computer, really, you know how much stuff you have on that laptop or that computer. You know what you have on there. Personal stuff, as far as like, I got old vacation photos there from years ago, birthdays, like uh, sentimental stuff. Not to mention a lot of work stuff. Not to mention all of my websites and passwords. If I can't get that information back, I am screwed. As far as trying to... I'm, and that's the problem with technology. We, we, we've come to a point where we don't have to remember anything anymore. We don't. We don't even have to remember phone numbers. We just plug everything in to our phone or our tablet or our computer. We don't have to remember anything. We don't have to remember passwords. It automatically saves it themselves. All you got to do is stay logged in, right? Stay signed in and you're good to go. If I can't, if I can't get that information off the old laptop, I don't know how I'm going to get into 90% of the things I have to sign into. I, no idea. Please work the magic up there in Lavelle. Please. And help a brother out to get, to get that information off there. Anyway, uh, let's go to uh, my pieces of paper here and uh, get things started with a rock around the region. I want to rock! And we'll start with Major League Baseball, where the Nationals made short work of the Pirates in D.C. Swing and a drive to deep left field. Gallo going back, way back. Going, 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 goodbye. Bang, zoom, goes Jan Gomes. Did I say three grand slams in his career? They call on the Nationals Radio Network five runs in the first inning, four off the bat of Jan Gomes on that granny. All of them came off of Pittsburgh starter Tyler Anderson and uh, Nats cruised to an 8-1 win. Patrick Corbin had his best start of the season for Washington, eight in the third innings, one run, he scattered eight hits, struck out seven, and walked just one. Manager Davey Martinez, uh, he put Corbin out there for the ninth inning trying to uh, get the rare complete game victory and couldn't really get it done, so had to pull him after uh, one out in the ninth. Uh, I do believe Miller came in to slam the door. Uh, here is uh, Martinez after the game. If there's anybody that wants wanted Corbin to finish the game and have a complete game, besides Corbin, it was me. I wanted him to finish, but... When he got up to 110 pitches, which was the max, I mean, that, that, that was it. We got to understand that this is a long season, and um, we got a long way to go, so we need it for the duration. But he was outstanding tonight, outstanding. I mean, he threw, he threw strikes, kept the ball down. I mean, he found the strike zone. I think he only gave up one walk. So I mean, it, it, was, it, was, it was a really good night. It was fun to watch him pitch tonight. The one thing that, that I look at the most is the free bases. I mean, we're, we're attacking hitters. We're not giving up walks. Um, but we're putting the ball in play, uh, putting the ball in play fairly early in the count. So um, we need to continue that. As you can see, you know, we do that. Our defense is playing well. Um, we get quick outs, and these guys are going deeper in the games. Trey Turner had four hits. Former Pirate Jordy Mercer, with a spot start at third, had three hits against his former team. Brian Reynolds was one of three Pirates with two hits. The Bucks 
have now lost nine straight games. And it's an absolute shame that Josh Bell did not play last night. Because if Josh Bell had played first, you would have had Bell at first, Josh Harrison at second, and Jordy Mercer at third. All three former Pittsburgh Pirates that would have made up three-fourths of the infield. That would have been incredible, amazing. But the Pirates have lost nine straight. Uh, They're terrible. Uh, Speaking of terrible and uh, losing streaks, the Orioles' road losing streak is now up to 17 games. Bobby Bradley with a high fly ball. Deep right field. That's a moonshot. It's out of here. 7-2 Cleveland on Bobby's third home run of the year. The call on Fox Sports Ohio. Two hits, two RBI for Bobby Bradley as the Indians beat the O's 7-2. Baltimore committed four errors in the game and now have six in the first two games of the series. They are now five road losses shy of tying the major league record shared by the 1943 Philadelphia A's and the 1963 Mets and maybe soon to be the 2021 Arizona Diamondbacks. Uh, Trey Mancini and Michael Franco had RBI doubles for the O's. In college football, I said it at the top of the show, things Feeling kind of getting back to normal. We got full capacity in uh, several stadiums and arenas across the country. You can now add West Virginia to that list. The university announced yesterday that full capacity crowds will be welcome to all six of the Mountaineers' home football games this coming season. Full stadium operating procedures tailgating in the stadium parking lots, and the complete game day experience will return as well. Hallelujah. Can I get an amen? Woo! West Virginia uh, Director of Athletics Shane Lyons said, quote, a full stadium of 60,000 fans is exactly what our team deserves and what our fans have been wanting, end quote. Now, the most fans that were allowed at a game last season was 12,500. Mountaineers opened their home schedule September 11th against uh, some team called Long Island. In high school baseball, three Frankfurt errors led to three North Marion runs as the Huskies beat the Falcons 6-4 in the continuation of Game 1 in their best-of-three region final in short gap. Of course, that game was postponed from Monday because of bad weather. Uh, Logan Kinster had two hits and drew a bases-loaded walk for Frankfurt. Game two today at North Marion, with game three, if necessary, back in short gap tomorrow. Elsewhere in Class A Region 2, Moorfield won their suspended game against South Harrison 3-1 to take a 1-0 series lead. Game two today at South Harrison, and Jefferson, the Cougars, punched their ticket to the AAA state tournament by beating Martinsburg 7-1 to sweep that series and win the Region 2 title. And in high school softball, in AA Region 1, Oak Glen rallied to beat Kaiser 4-2 in Game 2 of their series, forcing a decided, a decided, that's not the right word, a decisive Game three this evening in Kaiser. 
winner take all, they move on to the state tournament. Elsewhere, Petersburg is headed to the state tournament after shutting out Clay Battelle 8-0 in six innings to sweep that best-of-three series and win the Class A Region 2 championship. Congratulations uh, to the Vikings. And in AAA Region 2, Washington won the championship with an 8-2 win over Hedgesville to sweep that series as well, and they are moving on to the state tournament. And that is your uh, very involved, very lengthy uh, Rock Around the Region brought to you by the Caporale Group. Uh, didn't uh, the Petersburg girls basketball team also go to uh, the state tournament? Uh, do I have that right? I think so. Off the top of my head. I'm fairly certain. That's, that's two straight state tourney appearances. Girls basketball and now softball. Well, way to go. Way to go. Frankfurt on the brink, the baseball team. I saw a quote from uh, Coach Matt Miller in the paper. They've been here before. Uh, a few years ago, they lost the first game to Weir. Then they came back and won the next two games, like I think it was 9-1 and 11-1, something like that. So this is not uncharted territory for the Frankfurt baseball team. Uh, they can't come back. At the very least, win today. And the one thing I never understood, and I'm fairly certain at some point in the show, I have complained about this. I don't understand why the region finals are a best of three. But then in the state tournament, it's one and done. Like, I don't, I don't, that's the one thing I've never, I can't figure that out. Why do you have to win more games to get to the state tournament than you do to win the state tournament? <laughs> Does that make sense? Like, even the state tournament final. Is one game. Is it not? I don't understand why you have to have a best of three in the region final, but then just have a single elimination in the state tournament. It makes no sense to me. At the very least, unless I'm wrong on this, but at the very least, the state final should be a best of three or a best of five. I don't get that. I don't get that at all. Are the sectionals best of three? No, they're not. It's like, it's, like a, it's a round robin, right? It's double elimination. Like even the sectionals are double elimination, is it not? So the sectionals are double elimination. The regionals are best of three. State tournament, eh, one game, you lose, you're done. You go home. Like I, I just, to me, that's backwards. To me, that's backwards. The section should be one and done. One section game, you lose, your, your season's over. Region, you can still do best of three, and the state tournament, you can do best of three. I don't care how long it goes. <laughs> just figure it out. And again, at the very least, the championship, like the the one that decides it all, should be like a best of five. Anyway, uh, that's just you know that's just my opinion. Take it for what it's worth. Uh, now, obviously, we will update you on all of those games uh, tomorrow morning. It should be weather. Weather should be good today, right? I don't think we're not expecting any kind of rain or anything like that. So we should be good weather-wise to get these games in and uh, have some uh, finals for you tomorrow. All right. It's time for a break. Got some news and uh, weather coming up. When we come back, we'll get into the NBA playoffs. One game on tap last night. It was a big game, a huge game in the East. Bucks and Nets, the pivotal game five. 
Who would take it? I'll tell you next. Stick around. 102.1 FM, AM 1230, WCMD. This is the Morning Rush. Did you check it out? Did you hear in the news update? Governor Larry Hogan, Maryland governor, lifting the state of emergency. The mask mandate, it's over. You no longer have to wear, I mean, look, now if businesses still require you to wear a mask, they have every right. All right. If schools still decide to make kids wear masks, they have every right. They would be wrong, but they have the right. What they're saying is now that the state no longer mandates it. The state is like, hey, you don't want to, you don't have to. To me, it's fantastic news. It's fantastic news. What was the number? Is Maryland reached six and a half million vaccinations? Is that is that what I heard right? Six and a half mil? Let's go, baby. Let's go. It's time. It's time. It's the best news. That's the best news I have heard all week long. And it's been a rough week. And it's only 6:30 on a Wednesday. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, we're moving forward with this. We're not out of the woods yet. It's still, it's still out there. It's not like it just magically went away. But I'm, the darkest days are behind us. Are they not? The worst and the darkest days for the entire country, that is. I understand people are still going to get sick. Unfortunately, people are still going to die. So I, I, I get that. I'm not trying to be insensitive to that. But I, I honestly think that we are now on the downslope of this. The worst, darkest days of this pandemic are behind us. We're going. We're going, man. It's time to go. It's been a long year plus. And I understand that people still don't want to get the vaccine. I understand that and there are several reasons. And I've said this before. You do you. If you don't want it, don't take it. If you don't feel comfortable, don't. If you don't, you know, if you want more research, fine. I mean, I, I understand that. I got my shot as soon as I could. Because I'm not waiting anymore. You know, we're, we're moving forward with you or without you. Now, I'm not saying that to, to shame anybody or to guilt anybody into getting the vaccine. If you don't want to, that's you. But I'm, I'm not waiting anymore. I'm not waiting anymore. Let's go, baby. Let's open it up and let's go. Best news I've heard all week. Now, again, it doesn't mean that you still, you know, I went into a store yesterday and I asked, I asked, do I need to wear a mask? And the guy was like, no. I said, right, then I won't. If, some, if, if a business still requires you to wear, I'll put one on. I'll put one on. I, I got, you know, we've been doing it for how long now? You know, and, I, and I'm the guy who never really believed that the masks worked as as much as people thought. I was never a true, a tried and true believer of the masks. I just wasn't. I still wore one. That's what we were supposed to do. That's what we were asked to do. Never fully believed in the 
the efficacy of the mask. I just didn't. I thought it was somewhat effective, that it could have been somewhat, you know, but not as much as people thought. Like, it wasn't the end-all, be-all. It, it, could, it couldn't be. It just couldn't be. So I never really bought in 100% to the whole mask thing. But I, but I wore one. Everywhere it was required, everywhere it was at, because that's it was just like the thing to do. It was the right thing to do. Because people, if for no other reason, it made people comfortable. Because there were people who did truly believe in the ultimate effect of the mask. Like it was the end-all be-all. Like if you wore a mask, there's no way you're getting sick. Which was absolute bull, if you believe that. Because obviously there are people who wore masks who still got sick. But I guess more than anything, out of a common courtesy, I wore a mask all the time. But you know what? I'm done with that now. I'm finished with it. If I don't have to wear one somewhere, I'm not wearing it. Now we move in the other direction, right? Now we move from, you know, left to right or right to left. There used to be a time... Like, don't, don't side-eye me if if you're wearing them. If you want to wear a mask, that's fine, too, by the way. Like, I, I don't pass judgment. If you if you still feel comfortable and you want to wear a mask, if you are not completely sold, if you are not, if you just still want to, if it makes you feel better, then by all means. But don't side-eye me because I'm not wearing one. We're past that. I understood at one point if you did that. I understood if at one point last year you were upset that somebody didn't wear one around, I get it. But now, I'm sorry, we're past that. If you want to wear one, that's fine. But if somebody's not, get over it. Because now we're moving in the other direction. Fair enough? All right, anyway. Ah, NBA playoffs last night. One game on tap. Pivotal. Game five in Jersey. Nets and Bucks tied at two games apiece. Both teams winning their two games at home, so the Nets trying to hold serve in Game 5. Of course, the big story heading into the game, the injuries to Kyrie Irving and James Harden. Kyrie out with an ankle injury. (laughs) I don't know what that word. I either wanted to say ankle issue or ankle injury, and I just made up a word right then and there. Kyrie with the ankle, Harden uh, still dealing with that bad hammy. He wasn't expected to play last night. But yet, there he was, trying to give it a go, bad hammy and all, and he really wasn't all that effective. Left of the iron, loose ball for Durant. On the move, and almost turned it over. Saved in the backcourt by Green and Griffin. The Harden wing right. Steps right for a three. No. Harden has yet to score. He's 0 for 5 in his first game back with that tender hamstring. That was a call on ESPN Radio. Harden shot just 1 for 10. Missed all 8 of his 3-point attempts. Finished with just 5 points. Although he did have 8 assists and 6 rebounds. And even on the bad hammy, and there was a noticeable limp, he played 46 minutes. But still just 5 points. Milwaukee was able to build a 17-point lead in the third quarter. Not not just not the first quarter, third quarter. And you figure, all right, they're going to close this game out. A chance to win the series at home in game six. 
but the Nets still had a guy named Kevin Durant. These are going to be two fighters now at the center of the ring just wailing on each other the rest of the way. AD with at least 15 of the last 21, if my rudimentary. Three ball, Durant, good from up top. And for the first time since it was two to nothing, the Brooklyn Nets have a lead in this game. 38 for Kevin Durant. Durant again, this time off the right angle, a deep three. Brooklyn leads it 97-96, make it 41 for Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant, ladies and gentlemen, the baddest man on the planet. Second career playoff triple-double on a night when his team needed him the most. 49 points, 17 rebounds, 10 assists. As he and Jeff Green rally the Nets to win the game 114-108 and take a 3-2 series lead. And now Brooklyn has a chance to close things out in Milwaukee tomorrow. Here's Nets head coach Steve Nash on KD just uh, just doing what he does. Man, just uh, historic, historic performance. I mean, we, <laughs> he played the entire game. He barely missed. Got to the line, 17 rebounds, 10 assists, three steals, two blocks. I mean, 49 points. I mean, it's it's ridiculous what he's able to do. Um, I think the, you know, we know he's capable of nights like this, but to do it tonight, you know, we lose Kai. You know, James obviously is is soldiering through, you know, his ailments. Um, we're down bodies, we're wounded. And for him to have the toughness, the mentality, you know, that's what makes him one of the all-time greats. And so this is a performance that, you know, a signature performance, you know, for, for Kevin. And uh, and it was beautiful to watch. KD played all 48 minutes. Did not sit once unless it was halftime. He is the first player in NBA playoff history with 45, 15, and 10 in one game. First one to ever do it. His 49 points, second most points in a playoff triple-double ever. Russell Westbrook has the record at 51. Here's KD after the game with the uh, the TNT crew. You said that the other day you're ready to adapt to any situation. How much of that included preparing for playing every minute of tonight's game? Uh, I mean... I wasn't planning on playing every minute, but as the game started to flow, we got down. I told Coach that, uh, you know, if he needed to take me out for a couple, it's cool, but I feel good, and he just let me ride it out. So, you know, Jeff Green was <laughs> incredible tonight. James coming out here and and, and, and thugging it out for us, um, creating being another ball handler for us. I mean, I just think the second half, he played extremely hard. Well, that's what I wanted to ask you about next. You were amazing in the second half, but... What was the this halftime speech like from Coach Nash that flipped the switch for you guys? Well, just continue to just keep playing defense because our shots wasn't falling. Um, we were getting good looks. We were rushing a lot on offense, too. We were trying to, you know, get everything back so fast, being down 10 or 12 points. And I think we just settled in and got good shots. And we made some shots, too. You know, you got to, you know, guys came in and knocked down some shots in that third. Blake, Jeff, Landry. So, you know, we moved the basketball like that. We, uh, we put ourselves in good position. And you know, KD mentioned Jeff Green with Kyrie out and Harden with the bad hammy. Somebody had to step up. Somebody had to fill the void. 
And Jeff Green did just that. We'll talk about his performance and hear from the guys who called the game last night when we come back. Stick around. 102.1 FM, AM 1230, WCMD. This is the Morning Rush. Talking NBA playoffs, the Nets. A, I'd have to call it an improbable win last night. Even though Harden played, which I didn't, nobody expected. Harden was hobbled. He only had five points. Did contribute some boards and assists. Kyrie didn't play at all. And Kevin Durant went off. 49 points, 17 boards, 10 assists. And Milwaukee went, or I'm sorry, the bar. <laughs> The Nets, Brooklyn, sorry. They win the game. I'm a little bit confused right now. Not the first time, won't be the last. If you would have told me that was going to be the situation going in, I fully expected the Bucs to win last night. And again, I know Harden played, but he didn't hit it. He missed all eight of his three-pointers. That's a, that's a bad loss. I'm sorry. I know the game was in Brooklyn. That's a bad loss. For Milwaukee, you have an opportunity to win that game. You have the Nets You've where you kind of want them. Hurt, injured. And you let it get away. You let Durant just go absolutely off. And I understand Durant's one of the best players in the world, if not the best, but come on. What's worse? What's worse? Allowing Kevin Durant to go for 49-17-10. and 10. Or letting Jeff Green come off the bench and drain seven of eight three-pointers. What's worse if you're the Bucs? I mean, seriously. Because, look, with Kyrie out and Harden only getting five points, somebody else had to score. KD had 49. Somebody else had to score. Green comes off the bench and scores 27, hitting seven of eight three-pointers. Even Blake Griffin scored 17 for Brooklyn. If you're Milwaukee, you got to kind of pick your poison. You, you you let KD go off and shut everybody down, everybody else down, or you know what I mean. Or you let Jeff Green and and Blake Griffin get theirs, and and you concentrate on Kevin Durant. You can't allow both. You can't let KD go off and let Green come off the bench and score 27. That's terrible. That's embarrassing. If you're Milwaukee, I'm sorry. Bucks put four player or four starters in double figures. Giannis had 34, Chris Middleton had 25. Didn't help that Tucker scored zero. You had the Nets against the ropes in prime position to get picked off, and you failed. To me, that's, that's amazing. And go back a ways. Let's say uh, you're the Utah Jazz. Let's, let's say you're Carl Malone and John Stockton. And I tell you, all right, you got a chance. You're playing the Bulls. They're still going to have Michael Jordan, okay? But Scottie Pippen isn't going to play. And Dennis Rodman has a bad hamstring. Or, or flip that around. All right, Jordan's going to play. Pippen has a bad hammy. And Rodman's not going to play at all. You know what's going to happen? Jazz are going to win that game. Guarantee it. 
Jazz win that game. Or anybody, you know, you played the Celtics. Hey, Larry Bird's going to play, okay? But Kevin McHale has a bad hammy and Robert Parrish, he's not going to play at all. Or if you're a Laker, you know, Magic's going to play. Or, you know, Cream's going to play. Magic, you, you get the point. Those teams aren't supposed to win. As great, because you could see like Jordan going off for 55 in that situation. But the Jazz was still in that game. It's it, To me, it's almost embarrassing that Milwaukee lost that game last night, given what the Nets were facing. It's almost embarrassing. To cap the game, the guys who called the game here on ESPN, Sean Kelly and uh, P.J. Carlissimo. The Brooklyn Nets now only 3-2 lead in this best-of-seven series. They came back from 17 down, and not just 17 down from the first half, down 17 even in the third quarter. That's when the game started to change, and that's when Kevin Durant kept building and building upon a historic night. The Nets trailed 79-70 with 3.46 left in the third. From that point on, Kevin Durant scored 29 of the Nets' final 44 points in the game and became the first player in NBA postseason history with 49 points, 17 rebounds, and 10 assists. He played all 48 minutes, and Kevin Durant painted a masterpiece tonight in leading the Nets to a comeback win. I'll be honest with you, Sean. I didn't. I didn't. I'm sure the fans would have loved it too. I didn't want to keep talking. I just wanted to watch the game. I'm saying, why do we have to? Why do we have to tell everybody what's going on? Can't we just watch this? He was incredible. After playing one of their best defensive halves of the series, the Milwaukee Bucks held the Nets to 43 points in the first half. They held them to 35 percent shooting. And seemed like they were about to run them out of Barclays. 16-point lead, you mentioned. They built it to 17. And what happened after that? Well, they gave up 71 points in the second half. 71 to 49, they got outscored. The Nets shot 65% from the field. Kevin Durant's line is ridiculous. 16 for 23, four threes, 13 for 16 from the free throw line. 17 rebounds, 10 assists, three steals, two block shots, and in the minutes played column, it says 48. There's only 48 minutes in a game. You physically cannot do more for your team than Kevin Durant just did. It's the third time in his career he's played all 48. All of them have been postseason games. James Harden did return tonight. On the bad hamstring, while he didn't score, he did give this his team six rebounds and eight big assists. And a pair of free throws when it mattered. We, we never doubted it. He's such a great free throw shooter, and obviously he's going to do it. But two free throws when it really mattered late in the game on, on that uh, tough foul call, which was challenged. Uh, the call was upheld, and James Harden delivered two big free throws. So where did the help come from? Look no further than Jeff Green off the bench for the Nets tonight. Jeff Green made his first seven threes. His first seven three-point shots. They started out so poorly from the perimeter the Nets, it looked like they weren't going to make a three all night. And they inserted Jeff Green in the game. Bang, bang, bang. He knocked down four right away. He ended up making seven in a row before he finally missed his last one. And again, the the points, the threes, don't tell the story. He was 8 for 11 overall. He made all four of his free throws. He had three assists, 
one block shot and did an excellent job defensively. He had a lot of possessions where he was guarding Giannis and really and really did a good job. Jeff Green and, and Kevin Durant were incredible. Landry Shamit and Blake Griffin, you talked about what Blake Griffin did in the third quarter, Sean. Ten of his 17 points came in the third. Shamit's nine points, I think all in the second half, were huge. For Green, it was a playoff career high. 27 points. Giannis Antetokounmpo had 34 points and 12 rebounds, but fumbled a ball down the stretch and only hit half of his available free throws down the stretch. This now sets up Game 6 on Thursday. Chris Middleton made a great drive and just shoveled the ball to Giannis. Giannis dropped the ball, had a layup or a dunk that could have tied the game up at that point. Uh, He missed. He split a pair with a minute and 14 left. He split another pair with 12.5 seconds. That's what people have said repeatedly. It's hard to win a game when your best player cannot make free throws. Back to Milwaukee. The home team is yet to lose in this series. Once again, the final score, Brooklyn 114, Milwaukee 108. So there you go, and I'm telling you right now, if the situation is the same tomorrow, and the Nets have KD, but Harden is still hobbled by the ham, and Kyrie doesn't play. If Milwaukee loses that game tomorrow on their home floor and they lose the series, head coach uh, Mike Budenholzer should be fired before he gets off the court into the locker room. That should be automatic. Losing last night's one thing. Losing at home tomorrow if it happens, given the situation, is inexcusable. We'll see what happens. All right, stick around. Hour number two around the corner. WCMD. This is the Morning Rush. Let's kick off hour number two, as we always do, with the Rock Around the Region. I want to rock right now. And we start with Major League Baseball. I mentioned the Nationals and the Pirates and the Nats made short work of the Bucks in D.C. Swing and a drive to deep left field. Gamble going back, way back. Say three grand slams in his career. Make it four. It's the Nationals five and the Pirates nothing. Once again, just like yesterday, somebody at the Nationals, they've got to turn down the crowd mic. I understand the crowds are getting bigger and they're getting louder, but so you got to turn it down. The crowd should not drown out the play-by-play. It just shouldn't. Anyway. Uh, that was the call on the Nationals Radio Network. We were an affiliate, so I apologize. Five runs in the first inning for the Nats off of Pittsburgh starter Tyler Anderson. Four runs off the bat of Jan Gomes. And the Nats cruise to an 8-1 win. Patrick Corbin, his best start of the season for Washington. Eight in the third innings. One run, scattered eight hits. Struck out seven and walked just one. Uh, went back out for the ninth inning to try to get the uh, the rare complete game. Couldn't get it done, not because they were in jeopardy of losing. I mean, it was 8-1, to one, but he, he reached his pitch count. Here is uh, Nats manager Davey Martinez. If there's anybody that wants wanted Corbin to finish the game and have a complete game, besides Corbin, it was me. I wanted him to finish, but when he got up to 110 pitches, which was the max, I mean, that, that, that was it. it we got to understand that this is a long season, and um, we got a long way to go, so – we need it for the duration, but he was outstanding tonight. Outstanding. I mean, he threw, he threw strikes, kept the ball down. He pounded the strike zone. 
I think he only gave up one walk. So it, was, it, was, it was a really good night. It was fun to watch him pitch tonight. The one thing that, that I look at the most is the free bases. I mean, we're, we're attacking hitters. We're not giving up walks. Um, but we're putting the ball in play, uh, putting the ball in play fairly early in the count. So um, we need to continue that. As you can see, you know, we do that. Our defense is playing well. Um, we get quick outs. And these guys are going deeper in games. Trey Turner had four hits, and former Pirate uh, Jordy Mercer burned his old team with three hits uh, for the Nats. Brian Reynolds was one of three Pirates with two hits. Bucks have uh, they've now lost nine straight. They are just uh, simply awful. And it's a shame that Josh Bell didn't play last night for Washington. Because if he had, you would have had Bell at first, Josh Harrison at second, and Jordy Mercer at third, all three former Pirates making up three-fourths three of the infield. That would have been awesome, but it didn't happen that way. But still, uh, more, uh, Mercer with three hits. I just saw this. The Pirates announced yesterday that all unvaccinated people who receive a COVID-19 vaccination shot this coming Saturday at PNC Park will receive a voucher for two free tickets to a Pirates game of their choice this season. I mean, really, the punchline writes itself, right? Uh, <laughs> I mean, you, you want you actually want people to get the shot, right? How How is giving away two tickets to a Pirates game a reward for getting vaccinated? Personally, for me, when I got my vaccination, my reward was, you know, not dying. But how are you going to, like, seriously try to entice people to get vaccinated by giving away two tickets to see a team that is absolutely abysmal? How is that motivation? Hey, here's, here's, here's a thought, okay? If you happen to be in Pittsburgh uh, this Saturday, go to the game. All right. If you're not vaccinated, get your COVID-19, get your vaccination shot. All right. And when they try to give you your two tickets, you say, you know what? I'm good. I just came here for the shot. That's it. I just came for, just came for the shot. You can keep your voucher. We're okay over here. <laughs> you're so bad. It's laughable. Uh, before the game yesterday, back to the Nats, uh, they placed Max Scherzer on the uh, 10-day injured list with a groin issue. Uh, Scherzer tweaked the groin in the first inning of his last start on Friday, so the the stint on the IL is retroactive to Friday. Scherzer was supposed to start this afternoon's game against the Pirates. He will not, obviously. Paolo Espino will get the start for Washington. He will throw opposite Chase DeYoung. I have I've never heard of either one of these guys. But that's the pitching matchup. The highly anticipated Chase DeYoung versus Paolo Espino, uh Bucks Nats. Catch the game right here on this very station, pregame at uh, 335. So Pirates have lost nine straight. Speaking of losing streaks, the Orioles road losing streak is now up to 17 games. Bobby Bradley with a high fly ball. Deep right field. That's a moonshot. It's out of here. 
Seven two Cleveland on Bobby's third home run of the year. The call on Fox Sports Ohio two hits two RBI for Bobby Bradley as the Indians beat the O's seven two. Baltimore committed four errors in the game and now have six in the first two games of the series. They are now five road losses shy of tying the major league record of consecutive road losses. Shared by the 1943 Philadelphia A's and the 1963 Mets and maybe soon to be the 2021 Arizona Diamondbacks. Trey Mancini and Michael Franco uh, had RBI doubles for the O's. In college football, good, good, dare I say great news if you are a West Virginia Mountaineer football fan. The university announced yesterday that full-capacity crowds will be welcomed Come on, to all six of the Mountaineers' home football games this coming season. Full stadium operating procedures, tailgating in the stadium parking lots, and the complete game day experience will return as well. Director of Athletics Shane Lyons said, quote, a full stadium of 60,000 fans is exactly what our team deserves and what our fans have been wanting, end quote. The most fans that were allowed at a game last season in Morgantown was just 12,500. Mountaineers opened their home schedule September 11th against Long Island, whatever that is. And I understand that people are still nervous a bit, you know, about the pandemic and COVID. And I understand that. May not feel comfortable with a stadium going full capacity. And all I could say is, don't buy a ticket. In high school baseball, three Frankfurt errors led to three North Marion runs as the Huskies beat the Falcons 6-4 in the continuation of Game 1 of their best-of-three regional final in short gap. The game, you remember, was postponed from Monday uh, due to bad weather. Uh, Logan Kinster had two hits and drew a bases-loaded walk for Frankfurt. Game two today at North Marion with game three, if necessary, back in short gap tomorrow. Elsewhere in Class A Region 2, Moorfield won their suspended game against South Harrison 3-1 to take a 1-0 series lead game two today at South Harrison. And Jefferson, the Cougars, punched their ticket to the AAA State Tournament by beating Martinsburg 7-1 to sweep their series and win the Region 2 title. In high school softball, in AA Region 1, Oak Glen rallied to beat Kaiser 4-2 in Game 2 of that series, forcing a decisive Game 3 this evening in Kaiser. It's winner-take-all. Winner moves on to the State Tournament. Petersburg is headed to the state tournament after shutting out Clay Battelle 8-0 in six innings to sweep that best-of-three series and win the Class A Region 2 title. Congratulations to the Vikings. And in AAA Region 2, Washington won the championship with an 8-2 win over Hedgesville to sweep that series as well and move on to the state tournament. And that is your Rock Around the Region brought to you by the Caporale Group. A lot of stuff going on. A lot of stuff. I still haven't uh, clarified. No, it's it's right. I, you know what? I don't even need to 
look at it. Petersburg, the girls' basketball team, did indeed go to the state tournament. And now you have the softball team. So the Petersburg girls are kicking butt and taking names, getting to the state tournament in basketball and in softball. Congrats. All right, uh, Major League Baseball. We've been talking about this now for, I don't know, what's it been, like a little over a week now? A uh, pun intended here, sticky situation with Major League Baseball. Trying to crack down on pitchers using foreign substances to get a better grip on the baseball and in some instances increase their spin rate. And as expected, Major League Baseball sent a memo out to all the teams yesterday saying if a pitcher or a player is caught with a foreign substance, it is a 10-game suspension with pay, which, whatever. Now, obviously, if you're an everyday player, 10 games is is a big deal. If you're a starting pitcher, it's, it's not even, is it 10 game or 10 day? I think it's 10 day, which would, the way baseball plays, it's, it's pretty much a 10 game suspension. If you're a starter, you, you, you'll lose two starts. If you're a reliever, you'll lose whatever, four or five games, six, whatever. So Major League Baseball says, all right, that's it. We're done. We, we, we've known this has been going on for a while. And now we're putting a stop to it. It was a dirty little secret that apparently everybody in Major League Baseball knew about. But Major League Baseball, as they have been known to do in the past, kind of looked the other way. Even though doctoring a baseball, using a foreign substance, scuffing the ball, that's been illegal since forever. Just like taking roids is illegal, just like stealing signs and banging on trash cans is illegal. But for whatever reason, Major League Baseball just kind of, yeah. We have a rule, but we're not going to enforce it. Almost saying, well, so many people do it, what's the point? Well, now they're doing something about it. Mainly because people started complaining about it. Batting averages are down across the league. Offenses down, runs down. And so now they're trying to attribute it to these pitchers using the sticky substances, which again, it, it could range from a combination of of sunscreen and rosin to that spider tack, that industrial glue, to something called Pelican Grip, to Lord knows what else they're concocting, homemade glue, to get a better grip on the baseball. And umpires are going to start checking this coming Monday. They're going to start checking pitchers, starting pitchers, relief pitchers, just everyday players to make sure they're not using these foreign substances anymore. Some teams preparing for this are actually having some of their pitchers work bullpen sessions without using any substance to try to get them, you know, accustomed to now throwing the ball, I guess, clean, right? Some pitchers, like Tampa Bay's Tyler Glasnow, quit cold turkey. He he admits to using a sticky substance to get a better grip on the baseball. He just automatically stopped using it. He just landed on the injured list. 
with a partially torn UCL and a flexor tendon strain. And when you talk about those things, I do believe in particular the UCL, that's usually a precursor to Tommy John surgery. Glass now is blaming Major League Baseball for his injury. He's saying, you guys are forcing us to change the way we've been pitching for a while now. I changed and I'm hurt. Here is Glass now yesterday. I 100% believe that contributed to me getting hurt. Uh, no doubt, without a doubt. I think like it's it's ridiculous. I'm just gonna. I have used sticky stuff before. It's ridiculous that like it seems like this whole public perception of like, oh, it's just like select few people. Like your favorite pitcher probably 50 years ago was using something too. In the past, I my like substance of choice is sunscreen and rosin. Like just nothing egregious, something to where I can get a grip on the ball so it doesn't feel dusty. But two starts ago against the Nationals. I went cold turkey, nothing. I don't use sticky stuff. To, I don't use spider tack. I don't need more spin. I, I have huge hands. I spin the ball fine. I want grip. I did well against the Nationals, probably one of the best starts I had all year. I woke up the next day and was like, I am sore in places that I didn't even know I had muscles in. Like I felt completely different. I switched my fastball grip and my curveball grip. I've thrown it the same way for however many years I've played baseball. I had to change. I had to put my fastball deeper into my hand and grip it way harder. And I had to, instead of holding my curveball at the tip of my fingers, I had to dig it deeper into my hand. So I'm like choking the all my pitches. Waking up after that start, I was like, okay, this sucks. Something is, is weird here. And then that same feeling is persisting all week long. And then I go into my start yesterday and that same feeling just, it pops or whatever the hell happened to my elbow. Like I feel it. Something happens. And I, I'm, I'm sitting out there just like you got to. I mean, whether you want us to not use sticky stuff or not is, is, is fine. Fine. Do it in the offseason. Give us a chance to adjust to it. But I just threw 80-something, 70-whatever innings, and then you just told me I can't use anything in the middle of the year. I had to change everything I've been doing the entire season. Everything out of the window. I have to start doing something completely new. He's got a point. He's got a point. And now, now this is going to be the argument, and we'll hear from uh, a couple other guys here in a second. Major League Baseball, you knew that pitchers were doing this. You looked away from it for all this time. You let it happen. You knowingly allowed these pitchers to break your own rule. Now, two months into the season, you're changing it. And what Glass now is saying there is, because you decided to change it, you're forcing everybody to change. You're forcing everybody to follow the rule that you knew we were breaking. My injury is on your hands. And I'm telling you, he's got a point. He's got a point. He tried to quit the sticky stuff cold turkey, which sounds like a sounds like a miniseries on ABC. But and he, he got injured. And he says, yeah, yeah, that's why. Because MLB is now forcing us to make these changes. With more, here is ESPN MLB insider Jeff Passan. Going cold turkey, he said he had to really grip his fastball and his curveball, his two primary pitches differently. And this is a concern, Kevin, that's sprouting up across the sport right now. You know, pitchers understand the idea of getting rid of spider tack, of these substances that cause humongous gains in spin rate. What they don't want is to go out there essentially feeling naked. And they worry that, uh, you know, as much as hit by pitches have spiked in recent years, that it could go up even more and that the danger might not just be in hitting batters, 
but in pitchers trying to get different grips on the ball could wind up hurting themselves like Tyler Glasnow did. Yeah, so now the concern is twofold. And we played the clip last week, talked about it again yesterday, uh, from the Mets' Pete Alonso, who said, you know what? He didn't mind it because he knows that this 99-mile-per-hour fastball isn't coming at his head. If it gives pitchers more control, that's all right. And you heard Glasnow say, I don't need the substance for a bigger spin rate or a better, a higher spin rate because he has big hands. He just uses the sticky substance for just a little more control. So he doesn't have to grip the ball as hard. That, that's all he used it for. And you know, I believe him. Now, are there pitchers who using the, the really, really sticky stuff for a higher spin rate? Yes, absolutely. Anywhere you can get an edge, anywhere you can find an edge, you take it. But if a pitcher, and, and what guys like Glasnow are saying is, if you're just using it for a little better grip, because the ball gets dirty. It gets dusty. They're playing on a field with dirt. If it uses it for just a little more grip, what, what's the big deal? Peter Alonso said the same thing. If it gives him a little better control, fine. Now, look, again, there's the line, and it's blurred. If I'm a, if I'm a batter, if I'm a hitter, I don't want to see a pitcher get an advantage on his spin rate. Okay, I don't want that to happen. Because that's going to make me look bad. And that could be a reason why averages are down. But if this is going to make me a little more comfortable in the batter's box, knowing that his 100-mile-per-hour fastball is likely to get across the plate and not across the bridge of my nose, all right, I'll take that. And plus, it gives me a better opportunity to hit the ball. So now it goes back to... Is baseball doing the right thing by making these pitchers change? Not quite midseason, but close. You know, Glasnow said, I've pitched 80 innings doing this. Baseball knew he was doing this. He knew pitchers were doing it. And now they're going to change it up out of nowhere and then suspend people. And that's that's almost laughable because I saw it on Twitter yesterday. I can't remember. It was, uh, I don't know if it was a player or somebody who covers the sport. Forgive me, I can't remember who it was. They said it was pretty laughable that, you know, stealing signs and banging on garbage cans and none of those players were suspended. None of them from the Astros. But now, if you get caught using a sticky substance, you're suspended 10 days. Like, Major League Baseball is such a joke when it comes to this stuff. It's not even funny. Like Major League Baseball goes out of its way to look idiotic. That doesn't not... Rob Manfred, MLB, they go out of their way to just make an absolute crap show out of everything that they do. They're so inconsistent with everything that they do. And now they they really, by ignoring the situation, by ignoring the problem, by ignoring the cheating, they're just going to make matters worse because now they're going to crack down on something that they've known has been going on forever. Now you might see more pitchers getting hurt. Now you may see more fastballs getting away and hitting guys. And the question I heard posed yesterday was, well, who's the blame? Whose fault is this? Is it the pitcher's fault? 
because they have been cheating all this time? Is it Major League Baseball's fault because they've allowed the cheating to go on this time? Here's MLB's uh, Eduardo Perez. I'm going to start with the pitchers because the pitchers were the ones that started this, and they and it got out of control. Baseball wanted to monitor it. Chris Young, when he was a, when he was in charge of this situation before moving into the general manager's position in Texas, he already knew what was going on. He wanted to enforce it then. Now with the change, they took their time, and now doing it during the season, I think it's going to be dangerous, not only for the pitcher's health, but also for the hitter's health when it comes to it. I applaud Major League Baseball for trying to do something. I'm just wondering if it's too aggressive right in the middle of the season. Hey, Eddie, where does this fall on the cheat sheet? I mean, you got steroids, you got cork bats, you got banging garbage cans, you got whatever else. Where, where does this fall on that list? Uh, this falls pretty high up, I would say, because I've talked to many hitters that they've said, look, the baseball is moving like it's never has, uh, never has before. The sliders are breaking like they never have before. And we've seen the number of hit-by-pitches go up like we've never seen it before. And because of it, I think it's a dangerous situation before. And we're going to find out now after how pitchers are going to be able to maneuver this. But yes, it lies it lies up there because we're seeing batting averages go down and we're seeing strikeups go up. How can you applaud Major League Baseball for doing something about a situation that they allowed to happen? Like if Major League Baseball had actually done its job and enforced its own rules, we wouldn't be talking about this right now. Major League Baseball knew this was going on. They knew and we're not talking about just one or two pitchers here. We're not just talking about Tyler Glass now and, and uh, Garrett Cole. Put a number on What do you think? What do you think? 60%? 70%? And it goes back to the whole you know, steroid thing. Well, if this guy's going to do it to get an advantage, I'm going to do it too. Well, if this guy's shooting up, I'm going to do it too. If this guy's going to do something to get an edge, I'm going to do it too. Same thing here. Well, if this guy's using, you know, sunscreen and rosin to well, I'm gonna do it, and then I'm gonna do it, and I'm gonna and before you know it, it's rampant. It's all over the place. Why? Because Major League Baseball let it happen. And now it got to the point where it was out of control. So now Major League Baseball is trying to rein it back in. They're trying to pull it back in. You give somebody a foot, okay, they'll take a mile if you let them. Well, Major League Baseball gave the pitchers a foot, and they took a mile. This is Major League Baseball's fault. I'm sorry. It is. It is. Major League Baseball looked the other way in the steroid era because people love the home runs. Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa, what, steroids? Oh, no. They looked the other way with the sticky substances. And I'll look where they're at. This is Major League Baseball's fault. And I got to wait and see what happens. All right, news, weather coming up next. Stick around, WCMD. On Facebook at WCMD Cumberland Radio, James checks in this morning and says he is enjoying the show while he's out fishing. Well, enjoy your fishing, James. Hopefully you catch many, many fish. Let me just say that I am jealous that uh, I am here 
and you are fishing. Just wanted to say that. <laughs> I'd rather be fishing. I'd rather be fishing. A bad day on the lake is better than a good day at work. Sorry. It's the way it is. A rainy day on a vacation is better than a sunny day at work. It's just the way it is. Uh, Stanley Cup playoffs last night. One game on tap in what I'm still calling the Eastern Conference Finals, although that's they've done away with that this year. It's a Stanley Cup semifinal. Game was in Tampa Bay. Islanders trying to win both games against the defending Stanley Cup champion Lightning in Tampa Bay. But the Lightning doing really what better than what any team really does in the playoffs, and that's avoid uh, losing back-to-back games. They'll pull up in the left circle. Kutrop makes a little move. A feed in front. Pallon! What a play. Great feed from Kutrop to Pallon. It's 2-1 Lightning with 6.45 left in the second. 2-1. Uh... <laughs> I can't. I don't even want to play this next clip because Michigan, his his goal call is it not just ridiculous? Is it not just over the top? That that goal by uh, Pollock made it two uh, one. Then later in the game, Barkley Goodrow to the right point, Ruda shoots. Goal! Yeah, Ruda! Well, all this talk about the Lightning not getting a goal from a defenseman, now they have one. Ruda blasts from the right point. It's 3-1 Lightning. Uh, the final was 4-1. Uh, those calls on WFLA. Lightning win the game. Tie the series at a game apiece. That's, it's just not necessary. That is, I'm sorry. I mean, the guy's been doing it for a while. All, re, all re, due respect to him. I don't know him personally. That's uh, It's over the top. You don't need to scream like that. I understand that it's exciting when the goal is scored. And you ha- and I mentioned this before. There are no play-by-play announcers that are more over-the-top than hockey announcers. They're just not. Everybody has their own kind of special goal call. Some a little more reserved than others. Some like if I'm a Lightning fan, I don't I don't want to hear that every time they score a goal. It's okay to be, I mean, listen to this. They'll pull up in the left circle. Kutrop makes a little move. A feed in front. Pallon! No, like, no. It, it sounds like somebody's setting him on fire. That's too much. It's too much. I don't know how, like, how many goals do you think the Lightning scored this year? Hundreds? Would it be hundreds? I don't know. I have to look at that. And to hear that every time, again, man, nothing against the dude. I don't know him, but my goodness, that's just. You think he does that in like everyday life? You know? You think like if he's on a golf course and like he drains a putt, he's like, ah! or he, he gets done like, you know, folding a, a basket of laundry. Yeah! It's insane. Honey, what's for dinner? Steak. Ah! <laughs> Relax, bro. It doesn't have to be. Anyway, the Lightning win the game. They tie the series. Tampa Bay 
They have now won 12 straight games in the playoffs following a loss. That's incredible. They are now 8-4, and four, okay, in a game two after losing a game one at home in their last 12. All right, so the last 12 times they've lost a game one at home, they're 8-4 and four in that game two. That's what you call bouncing back because they weren't very good in game one. They have won 12 straight in the playoffs following a loss. That's what you call making adjustments, bouncing back, and ESPN's Barry Melrose said that's exactly what they needed to do after that game one performance. Game one, I did not like the way the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning started. They didn't have a lot of energy. They didn't have a lot of passion. Uh, that changed tonight right out of the gate. These guys went at uh, the Islanders. They let them know that they were here to stay. They were going to the front of the net. Everybody was sticking up for each other. There were scrums after every whistle. And you'll say, well, what was the need of this? What was the need of this? It was a wake-up call for Tampa Bay and a wake-up call for the Islanders from the Tampa Bay players. The Game one was easy. Nothing happened. You guys walked in. You stole a point out of our building. That's not going to happen again. We're going to meet you with force, and they met them with force. I, I really like the engagement uh, that they played with, the heart that they played with, the battles that they played with and won, and I love the way they went to the front of the net and took uh, took no prisoners in that area. So, all in all, it was a good win for Tampa Bay. Obviously, they, they were upset not winning both games in Tampa Bay, but if they would have lost two games, it would have been a disastrous place to go. As you mentioned, the Islanders is a tough, tough building to play in. Now, one of my least favorite things that happens this time of year in particular is when we talk about officiating and the impact it has on the game. But in this case, as we saw Trot say they had seven bleeping guys, well, we can count and we can see. So, I don't know, what's, what's the appropriate way to view that, that go-ahead goal, Barry? Uh, you use it as motivation. Uh, you, you can't do anything about it. The referees know it's wrong. They're, no one's going to feel worse than the linesman uh, who blew that call. And everybody in the building could see and with the technology and the big screens and all that. <laughs> You're not lying. We had too many men on the ice. It was a blown call by the officials. But now Tampa Bay just kept their mouth shut. They didn't, or, uh, they didn't get fired up. Uh, they just continued to play, and that's what you have to do. You have to use things like that that, that could be a, a difference maker uh, and help yourselves out. The Islanders tried to do that. Obviously, Barry Trotz was right. There were six guys on the ice, and it, it should have been blown down. But uh, Trotz, he was smart. His team just continued to play. Uh, it was still a close game at the time. And I would expect nothing less out of uh, Barry Trotz. He had his team ready. Uh, they were going to continue to be ready, and they almost stole this game anyways. But uh, mistakes are mistakes. You just cannot let that bother you. You can't let stuff like that feed off you. You just got to use it as motivation. And I'm sure the Islanders will be using that as motivation when they look at it and show everybody uh, the sick guys on the ice. So I expect them to be very much engaged in Game 2 also. Uh, game 3 of the series is tomorrow on the island. One game tonight in the other uh, Stanley Cup semifinal. The Knights, Golden Knights, hosting the Canadiens. Game two of that series, Vegas trying to take a 2-0 lead. All right, time for one last break, and then uh, back to wrap things up here on the Morning Rush. Stick around, WCMD. This is the Morning Rush. Let's check out the player who delivered, brought to you by All Seasons Landscaping and Supply Yard. How about the San Fran Giants, Mike Yastrzemski, making his granddad proud. The bases are loaded, and here comes Yaz. So the fans, everybody standing now, 
that the Giants have been playing catch up all night long. And the possible tying runs are on base now. He has his one for four in the game. There's a high drive to right. Is it fair? Down the line. It is a grand slam into the water. Can you believe it? And they all score, including the man who hit the ball. Incredibly, the Giants have come from seven to nothing behind, and Yastrzemski has put them ahead. John Miller of the call on NBC Sports Bay Area. Grand salami for Yaz. As the Giants rally from a 7-0 hole to beat the poor Diamondbacks 9-8. Arizona has now lost seven straight games overall. And they have now lost 21 straight games on the road. That's one shy of tying the major league record. They had a 7-0 lead. A chance to break both of those losing streaks. And they lost. That granny was an abominable eighth, by the way. To put the Giants ahead 9-8, to eight, they closed it out in the top of the ninth. That's incredible. So Mike Yastrzemski, the young Yaz, our player who delivered, brought to you by All Seasons Landscaping and Supply Yard. Since I'm working without a laptop today, I had to print all my notes out. And I haven't had to do this for a long time. Like, that's the last thing here, so... Oh, that actually feels pretty good. Kobe, bucket, good. There we go. <laughs> the Diamondbacks. I think it was seven nothing lead. <laughs> Only teams that sorry. The Orioles. We said earlier they've lost seventeen straight on the road, and that's not even the worst. That's not even the worst streak in the league. Diamondbacks have lost twenty one straight. That's just, that's awful. Uh, today is a day that ends in Y, so we talk about Aaron Rodgers. And he was doing a promotional uh, video in advance of, they had that that golf match, that two-on-two match. It'll be Aaron Rodgers and Bryson DeChambeau against Tom Brady and Phil Mickelson. So they're doing like a promotional shoot. And TNT, uh, Brian Anderson, kind of, you know, tongue-in-cheek, Said, you know, the Aaron Rodgers, hey, you know, you've kept a low profile this offseason. He said, I've hardly seen your name. You haven't hosted any TV shows or anything like that. He said, it's been a nice, peaceful offseason for you. And Rodgers' reply was dead serious, very ironic. Says, yeah, you know, it's been one of those quiet offseasons you dream about. And he said, that's all you can ask for as an older player. Someone who's been around for a long time, who just enjoys time for yourself, to relax, to not be bothered, to not have any obligations or anything going on. This is the guy who is skipping mandatory minicamp with the Packers, who says in this video uh, he has no obligations and nothing going on. He says, quote, I think that's what this offseason has been about. It's been about really enjoying my time and spending it where I want to spend it, not feeling like I have to go anywhere but still be an NFL player at the same time. It's been great, end quote. And he said all of this while wearing a T-shirt that said, I'm offended. Was this a shot at the Packers? Was he having some fun, kind of joking around? Or was he sending a message? 
Here's ESPN's Lewis Riddick. Think about this. Think about this juxtaposition. Here, here he's saying, I have no responsibilities. I don't have to go anywhere. I just kind of spend my time how I want. He's under contract as the starting quarterback of the mm. Green Bay Packers, and he's talking as if he really doesn't have any obligation to be anywhere at all. That just tells you his mindset, which is saying this. Hey, Mark Murphy. Hey, Brian Gutekunst. I'm on my time. I'm doing it my way now. And that shirt right there, of course, you know, the way it's framed. I'm offended, sitting right up there, big and bold, right there on the screen. Look, Aaron's a very, very, very smart individual. Anybody who has spent more than a minute talking to him can figure this out. Nothing he says is kind of like just off the cuff and not already calculating what the ramifications of what he is saying are actually going to be. He knows exactly what they are. He sent a very clear message saying this. I'm not even thinking about what y'all are doing right now. Okay, I'm worried about me right now, and I'm going to put the focus on me. Despite the fact that you want me there and despite the fact that I'm so obligated really to be there, I'm not operating that way. That's sending a message. There's no doubt. That's sending a message. Rodgers is just playing games now. He's just playing games. He's just messing messing with the Packers. And if I'm the Packers, I'm, I'm going to go tell him to pound sand sooner or later. I, I, I'd probably be sick of it right now. And remember, a lot of this has to do, allegedly, reportedly, that Rodgers was miffed that the Packers – traded up to draft Jordan Love in the first round. The supposed heir apparent to Rodgers. He wasn't happy about that. So this is how he handles it, by holding out but not showing up to minicamp. Meanwhile, in New England, you have a guy in Cam Newton who's only been there for two years. The Patriots draft Mac Jones from Alabama in the first round. Here's how that's being handled. Here's uh, ESPN Pats reporter Mike Reese. Cam Newton continues to take the top reps in all the practices that he's been on the field, followed today again by Mac Jones. One thing that was interesting today is Mac Jones actually had more total reps than any of the other quarterbacks. He did run into a rough spot at one point. He threw two interceptions in a three-play stretch, but the Patriots are very pleased with his progress. Meanwhile, Newton spoke with reporters here in New England for the first time since he re-signed with the team, and he was asked his reaction to the Patriots selecting Mac Jones. He was the right pick, you know what I'm saying, in my opinion, and you know, he was the best player available, and that's what the NFL draft is for. Um, as far as, you know, having any any chip on the shoulder, like, I mean, stating the obvious, I don't need too much to get myself going, let alone, you know, that happening. And it's no disrespect to, to Mac. It's no disrespect to, you know, Bill and, and his decision. I, I support it 110% because there you still have to do what's right for the organization uh, for the long haul. How about that? Now, granted, Cam hasn't had the career in New England that Rodgers has had with the Packers. I agree. I, it's it's different, obviously. But here's Cam saying, "Hey, took a quarterback in the first round because you got to do what's best for the organization. You got to do what's best for the future of the organization." Kind of like what the Packers did with Jordan Love. So dare I say, Aaron Rodgers, Mister Great Quarterback, Mister MVP, Mister Jeopardy. You take a page out of Cam Newton's book, understand why Jordan Love was taken, and get over it, and quit being a spoiled brat and get in camp. How about that? All right, show's over. A man is coming up next with Tri-State today. Nats, Bucks today, 335. Tune in then. We'll see you tomorrow morning, 6 a.m. sharp. This is the Morning Rush. I am Tony C, and I'm done. Bye.